Hi, my name is Ella. I'm in ninth grade at Delphi High School. I've recently cert got certified in Excel and Word. I would like to go into the medical field when I'm older. You're listening to the SMA podcast. Thank you, Ella, for that introduction. I'm Dan Bader, Communication Coordinator for the School District of South Milwaukee. Welcome to the SMA podcast. February is Career and Technical Education Month, and in this episode, we're delving into what career and technical education is at South Milwaukee. The trades have always been an integral part of education in South Milwaukee, since industry has always been part of South Milwaukee's DNA. History in our country, though, is a pendulum, swinging back and forth, directing where we pour our energy. The 1990s and early 2000s saw a push towards college education for all of our students because a high school diploma was no longer adequate for the job market. That pendulum has swung, swung again, maybe to somewhere in the middle, where we're finding rewarding, well-paying careers are not only for those with college degrees, but for those with the skills to excel in a profession. So high schools are adapting and teaching those skills as part of a free public education. That doesn't mean high school is the end of a student's education. Far from it. Our CTE students now have the best of both worlds. Many start careers right out of high school and take specialized courses through union halls or technical colleges. Today, we have two guests. Christy Gajewski, Director of Curriculum and Instruction, will share with us about how schools align what we offer to a changing career landscape. And Chris Daniels, our Work-Based Learning Coordinator and the Youth Apprenticeship Coordinator for the South Shore Suburban Consortium. Here's Christy. Christy, thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Always glad to be here. So, um, big picture, how do high schools work and, and um, what, are, what are they for? Sure. Um, I think you might get a different answer if you ask a high school student. But <laughs> <laughs> um, high school really is kind of the launch pad for adulthood, really. Um, we are trying to make sure kids have what they need so that they can either go to college or directly into a career and be successful citizens. Um, and I, th I think I think about a little bit about how high school may have changed over the last couple of de decades. I think we've always had, you know, hands-on career paths as options for students, but I even think back when I was in high school, it was more college-bound, college-bound, college-bound. You needed to go to college, uh, and, and college being a four-year university. Um, and I think so what's shifting um, is that there are many pathways to be successful, and a four-year degree doesn't necessarily mean you know, that that's the only way. Um, and so as we've kind of watched things shift in K-12 education, this is another thing that's kind of shifting is how can we make sure kids are successful and ready for careers even as early as 18? Sure. So I think when, when you and I were in high school, I remember that it was, mm -hmm. uh, the goal is everybody goes to college. And then when I got to college, I remember the, the president of the college saying, we're here to educate the whole mind. And when you get out in the workplace, they'll specialize, but just having a liberal arts degree will mean that we have prepared you to be trained, mm -hmm. right? But now the world seems to want um, those specialties sooner and earlier, mm -hmm. and they don't want to have to find someone to train. That it's kind of they're hoping to to uh, to help bring those kids along now, right? Uh, so they're ready to get right to work. Agreed. So agreed. Um, and that's a big shift. Every time I have you on, we talk about how things have shifted. So the mm -hmm. 
previous episodes, uh, we talked about how education is shifting. Very specifically, we said how thoughts and reading have changed. And now we're talking about how, you know, college or career preparation has changed. Absolutely. And I think it just speaks to how the workforce has changed. We're not preparing kids to go work in a factory anymore. Um, The Industrial Revolution is now a technological revolution and we're trying to prepare kids for jobs that may not even exist yet Mm -hmm. um when you think about how technology how fast it changes and how you know how quickly you have to be able to problem solve and all of those kinds of things so that's really where the shift is too and you know especially with you know invention of artificial intelligence and all of those all of those things are shifting education sometimes faster than we can keep up with Mm -hmm. good example uh, one of our um our Facebook posts are pushed this month during Career Technical Education Month is all the certifications our students have earned and they're learning. Whereas I and probably you had mm-hmm. to go to take a typing class yep. and learn how to use a computer. Now they're being they're being certified in Microsoft Word and Excel so mm-hmm. that when they go to work, they don't need to be told how to do that. I, I certainly did have to learn on the fly how to use all those programs. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's talk a little bit about that. How do you know what the world needs right now? Um, well, actually, there's there's some different ways, and I think um, when you talk to Chris Daniels, he can probably speak a little bit more in detail about this. But what we do look at is um, like the labor market info. We get labor market info and what's needed in the area. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of different pathways in career and technical education that you can go. And some communities, for example, have agribusiness and we don't because mm. we're landlocked and not rural. So our programs, some mostly mirror what the labor market says in our area, is needed. Mm. So we have more manufacturing um, and you know tech-based kind of pathways for for students because that's the labor market in our area. Sure. So how do you develop as curriculum and mm-hmm. instruction director? How do you develop a program for that? Um, I think what what is good, though, is that even though the programs shift and ideas shift, the basic premise of education does not, right? So what we try to do is create educational experiences that have a framework. Um, and that framework, then, you can shift the new information in and out of. So, for example, we use kind of a workshop framework, which is uh, a framework of just how do you g- get information out to kids, Um, The easiest way to think about it is whole part whole. So there's a whole group lesson, lots of time to practice with your peers, and then you bring that lesson to a closure. And when we use those kinds of frameworks, then when um, programs shift or ideas shift or um, materials shift, we don't have to shift the way we get the information to the students. We just have to shift the information that Mm -hmm. gets to students. Mm Um, it's really interesting we're talking about this now. I promise, folks, we don't necessarily plan this out. Um, when we talked about STEAM uh, education at the um, or STEM education at the middle school, what the high school teachers told them is that kids need to learn how to work together and get over disagreements and how to accomplish a task. And that's why there's a middle school program. Yeah. Um, your, your fingers are probably in that, right? I mean, that's yeah. what you're hearing. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, I think it's all the way up through post high school. Um, we've done some, like with area curriculum coordinators have, um, and curriculum directors have a survey that was done 
um, with universities across the country. We sent out a survey of about five questions that said, how do you assess kids? What do you need them to know when they leave college? And it was basically the same thing that we hear all throughout the system is we need kids to be able to work together. We need to be able them to be critical thinkers. And so that that doesn't change across the system. Um, and no matter what information or shifts out in the labor workforce shifts, those are some workplace skills that just have to be there. So that's what we work on K-12. Sure, sure. And man, now, you know, this is all kind of coming together for me too, because our Foundations for Success class in the mm -hmm. middle school uh, gives kids strategies for conflict resolution yes. on their own. So there's no teacher stepping in and saying, you two settle it yourself or figure this out. Right. They already were giving them also the skills to do that collaboration um, in the way that works for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Um, and, and so kind of talk about the high school's, you know, program, mm -hmm. you know, from your level, what, what do you see kids coming in, you know, ninth grade, mm -hmm. what do they see? So really it's, um, we try to like all the way throughout like elementary, we're trying to give them the basic skills, read, write, math, some basic science and social studies, and then it's built upon in middle school. And in middle school, we give them a little more choice to try to, you know, give them some exploration, um, opportunities to find some things that they like to do that maybe that's something they could make a career out of, maybe not. And in high school, we just start ramping that up. Um, as freshmen and sophomores, really, there's a lot of basic classes that they have to have. They have to have English, they have to have math, mm -hmm. they have science, social studies. But then as they go throughout, we have more and more electives available to them. And those electives are what help them decide, this is the path I want to go on. All along the way, they're working with our counselor staff, our guidance counseling staff, <clears throat> excuse me, um, to kind of develop their academic career plan. And so they learn how to write resumes. They learn how to do all these things. But when they get to high school, they really start trying to figure it out a little bit and navigate. These are some of the things that I'm really interested in. And these are the potential careers that I could go toward if I follow this pathway. And so then they start scheduling their classes around that. Mm. Um, electives around that and then within some of those elective classes then they earn the uh, industry credentials or they can take a dual enrollment class where they're earning um, credit at high school and college at the same time so we're trying to open up the doors for them so that when when they leave our doors and graduate they have a wealth of opportunities at their fingertips hmm. and I can I can attest to that so I've I get to meet a lot of kids um, well, actually, I wish I'd, I got to meet more, but the ones I get, I've get i met so far, um, one of ours has uh, got a full ride almost to uh, mm -hmm. Vanderbilt. And she said that in eighth grade, she took the course guide and because of the kind of person she is, mapped it all out, mm -hmm. even through COVID, to figure out how to get to the goal that she wanted, which is to be a doctor. Um, but then there's other kids, like I met one in our cooking class, who she's going to leave uh, school with two semesters worth of MATC credit. Um, and she's, you know, she'll start as freshman with, with two semesters under her belt already. So she'll start a year out. Mm -hmm. So our kids are, are thinking about what they want to do already mm -hmm. and kind of uh, headed that direction with, I, I imagine, with their guidance counselor's support. Absolutely. And, and sometimes it's even the teacher support who teach in those career and technical education courses, because I think if you if you miss the board meeting last uh, last week, we had a student on who came and talked about how she had this opportunity to earn credits. And it was actually her teacher who said, hey, MATC is going to pilot this program. You've been taking a lot of my classes. You seem really interested. Would you like to try this program? And she had tapped a shoulder on a couple of students, but a couple of other students were kind of nervous because that meant that they were 
going to be taking classes most of the day at MATC um, while still earning some of their high school credits. And this student um, that spoke to us at the board meeting shared that she is going to graduate with a technical diploma. So she'll have had one full year of MACC credit under her belt and have earned a technical diploma um, and her high sc- before she earns her high school diploma. She'll get that diploma in May and she'll get her high school diploma in June. So Wow. wow. <clears throat> and that's she's she's it's paid for already right mm-hmm. she, she hasn't had to pay because once once you leave here you start paying but right the courses you take here that count um yeah those are mm-hmm. covered so that's that's really interesting and you talk about getting a teacher interest mm-hmm. um one of the students we profiled in bridges magazine in may last year he didn't know what he wanted to do he was bummed out of coming back from covid kind of lost some of his interest and he'd one of his teachers said, hey, have you ever thought about steam fitting? And he's like, I don't know what that is. And her husband did it. And it turns out we have a youth apprenticeship program. And he got involved. And mm-hmm. he loves his career now. He yep. loves – when I met him, I, I've never seen a kid so excited about his future yep. um, and his earning potential and mm-hmm. getting in the union and getting involved in that. <clears throat> so, yeah, I guess those teacher connections yep. really matter too. Absolutely. And I have a I have a personal connection with it, too. My son, um, my second child is graduating from high school this year Um, and he is graduate. He doesn't go to South Milwaukee, but he goes into another school district that has similar programming and he was able to get a youth apprenticeship. similar to way our students have and the company that he was apprenticing at hired him um, after he graduates and then is going to be paying for his schooling to get whatever credentials whatever things that he needs and he's really excited his earning potential is going to be more than his mother's after she graduated (laughs) college for her first teaching job he's going to be making more than mom did (laughs) yeah which i guess is the goal right right it wasn't that way for a while but i'm glad to see that it still can be yeah and so that kind of leads me to my next question. How, so as a system, we've had to align those things to, for students to be able to, to do that. Um, can you talk about how kind of the technical aspect of that works? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm, I, it's not just a high school degree anymore, mm-hmm. right? There's things that we can tack onto it mm-hmm. that are leaving. How, how does that how does that even work? Yeah, so a lot of it starts with our educators. They have to also be certified in order to be able to be the ones that teach these classes, that mm-hmm. are especially the ones that are um, dual credit with MATC or a UW school. Um, so they will get the certification so that they can then you know, um, teach the kids everything that they need to know in order to be certified. Um, usually it's just wrapped in to their curriculum. Sometimes for certain students, if they don't have classes and things like that. Sometimes it can be done through a study hall or an independent study. And usually there's some kind of exam Mm. that they have to take at the end of a standardized exam um, that gets them the credential. Interesting. And um, I will give a plug to summer school. I met students this summer who were taking, getting their gym credits out of the way over the summer Mm -hmm. um, so that they could take the classes that they wanted for those, those Mm -hmm. electives they could pick. Absolutely. Um, So I guess the high school has ways to try to get their schedule aligned mm-hmm. the way they need it to be. Yep. Because um, I kind of remember there being like, once you're on a, a path towards a certain degree, there was no flexibility in that, you know. So, yeah, in New York, it's a regent's degree, mm-hmm. but but that's kind of where you were going. And there mm-hmm. was no, not really electives that, that I remember that we could do. Yeah, and we're trying to be really flexible <clears throat> with that and add more electives um, along those lines. Um, and, and with some of those, make sure that they're, 
there are um, those credentialing opportunities as well. Yeah, and I would say it's not an either-or thing mm-hmm. either. That that student headed to Vanderbilt was a certified nursing assistant because she knew that she wanted to go into the medical field, and so she'd she'd figured out how to get that certification mm-hmm. in her time here, which was really heavy on the science and math. Absolutely. To get where she was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fascinating. Um, well, thanks for your time. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to Chris next about um, the youth apprenticeship program and and some of our certifications but but thank you for being yeah, here yeah absolutely thank you chris daniels welcome to the podcast thank you so much happy to be here great uh so your title is work-based learning coordinator for the school district of south milwaukee and the youth apprenticeship coordinator for the south shore suburban consortium that's a big title <laughs> can you what's the work-based learning coordinator what is that So that part's specific to South Milwaukee. It comprises about half my role here. Um, And it's really working with our career and technical education teachers and our administrators um, to offer work programs to our students. Some of those traditionally people think of just outside. So co-ops, internships, things like that. Um, But we also have youth apprenticeships, which is a state of Wisconsin program. But then there's also internal programs with work-based learning. So we run a school store, um, which includes a t-shirt production operation. And then we have another program in our tech ed um, department called Mission Control, where they do vinyl banners and signs and things for the schools and for people outside. So those are also work-based learning programs. Hmm. I, I buy, in my career, I buy a lot of vinyl banners. So I can say that they are about as uh, not about, they're as good as any that I buy from a print shop anywhere else. And I've seen their operation. It looks um, just like a print shop. It's awesome to hear. That's who we're shooting for. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, um, what, are, what are some of the fields that we teach about? I mean, we talk about career technical education, but uh, Christy and I didn't really get into the very, you know, specifics. I know we have construction, there's construction, but, but tell me, what, what other fields are there? Yes, there's, when you speak of career and technical education, it's really our three departments here. So one is business and marketing. Um, specifically in there, we have finance, marketing, and technology pathways. Um, and those are all, have their little separate nuances. Um, yeah, with the uh, the print shop with the t-shirts, I've seen that there's uh, the finance kids are in there billing, doing billing, because it's not just us, right? And they're, they're keeping track of orders and other things, right? That's correct, yeah. So they do the, um, customers come to them, say what they want, and then they have a whole design component. Then they actually make the silk screens and print them on the t-shirts, and then they do the billing. So it's a full operation. Mm, yeah. Um, so they, there is a lot of overlap sometimes between these programs. Um, but that's a wonderful thing, too, because you learn to work on teams. So. Sure. Okay. So that was one pocket. What yep. So that's business um, and marketing. The other one is family and consumer sciences. Um, so they have four different pathways. One is culinary arts. Then they have design, health science, and then human services and education. Um, and within each of those, again, they have special things that they do, which we can probably get into a little bit more later. Sure. Um, and then the other department is technology and engineering. Um, and within that one, they have construction, engineering, and manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So um, again, with those, we have pathways within each of them. So students don't just take a class or two. It's really meant to be a sequence of classes with other opportunities um, culminating in work-based learning if the students so choose. Mm. Um, can you give me an example of, of kind of one of those? I mean, you sent me a picture yesterday. Oh, yeah. So yesterday um, we went out to visit a youth apprenticeship site. Um, I went out along with Scott Jekyll, one of our teachers in tech ed, and um, we went to visit a student doing an electrical youth apprenticeship. So he's working right now with Faith Technologies, and the current job that he's on is working um, to put in charging stations for a large company um, that delivers packaging. So they're actually going to charge semis with these. So. 
he took us on a tour um, and showed us what he's doing there. He started out taking classes in the technology and engineering department and said, you know what, this is what I want to do for a career. Um, and then we got him connected um, through a family relationship, actually, with that company. And he spends half of his day in school and half the day working. Yeah, and, and our scheduling is is flexible for that uh, for, so that he could go and do that and still get the credits he needs to graduate. Correct, yeah. We do that whenever we can. Um, that's one of my frustrations um, is sometimes we'll get a senior or especially at the end of their senior year and they're like, oh, I really wanted to do this. And they needed to take the right classes earlier on. So planning is really key. Um, I think you mentioned earlier when you were talking with Christy about our student who's at Vanderbilt, um, how she planned her whole sequence of courses out when she was a middle, middle school student. Um, that's an extreme. We would love that, but we realize not every student's ready to do that yet based on their experiences. But when you do plan your courses and take lots of things early on and take summer school, like you mentioned before, that opens up more opportunities for flexibility senior year. Yeah, yeah. And how do students find out about these work-based things? I know um, a lot of material maybe doesn't come out of the backpack when they get home. So Correct. And I certainly experienced that with my own children. <laughs> um, but And that's one thing we try to hit this as much as we can. So it really is part of our whole academic and career planning process, which some people call ACP. That's actually a state requirement for all public schools that we have something in place to guide students through this process. Mm. Um, so really it starts um, in elementary to a degree, but then in middle and high school more specifically. Um, through their courses, through the course selection process, and then through different nights and events that we do for families to let them know what their kids can do. Yeah, and that's kind of just to identify an interest, I guess, to to or a field, you know, hands-on, like that student that you mentioned. For but but then, you know, it's construction, but then it's also electrical. So it, it must the the refinement. I mean, there just seems like so many options you could do. The re- refining it seems the challenge. Yeah, and that can be hard because we only have those three departments with three or four teachers in each of them, so we can't do everything here. Um, But we really like to expose students, especially freshman and sophomore year, to as many opportunities as we can. And then as the courses get more complex here in the areas we have those courses, we encourage the students to do the full pathway. Um, But sometimes we need to partner with outside groups, so we also work with um, MATC and with Gateway Technical College. Um, an example of that, we don't have automotive classes here. We would love to, but we just can't afford to have everything. Um, but we have a senior right now who really wants to do that for his career. Um, so he's taking some courses at MATC, and he's working as a youth apprentice um, as an auto technician. So whenever we can, we make it work for students. Wow. So he's a student here, but he's taking courses at MATC, and he's working in a, in a garage somewhere? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So he's got his normal um, required courses here, some math, some English. Um, and then he also goes to MATC in the afternoons or evenings and then works around that um, at an auto shop actually working on cars. So he wow. gets high school credit, of course, for his courses he takes here. He gets college credit and high school credit for his college courses, and then he gets credit and the certification through the youth apprenticeship program. And and youth apprentices are often paid, right? I mean, they're paid positions. Correct. Yeah. In fact, that's part of state law in Wisconsin. Um, When they developed the youth apprenticeship program back in the early 90s, um, it's written into state law that they have to be paid positions, um, at least minimum wage. But most of our students make 15 to $20 an hour. We have some earning more than $20 per hour, which is pretty awesome. Um, well, for a second, let's talk about that second half. What What is the um, the South Shore Suburban Consortium? What is that? Yeah, so that's a consortium that we do with the school districts of Cudahy and Oak Creek Franklin. Um, and I oversee that consortium for youth apprenticeship and for some grant funding that we do. 
Um, we really found it's best to team up on things like this to not have every school district try to do everything on their own because financially you can't do it and just time-wise you can't do it um, with the leadership. So I help coordinate that for all of them, um, for youth apprenticeships specifically. So any youth apprentice from any of those three school districts, um, the paperwork aspect of it comes through me. So I coordinate things with the state to make sure we have everything in place and that the students are meeting the requirements to get certified. Mm. So um, to kind of plug, like you are looking for opportunities for youth apprenticeships in those fields, right? So culinary, finance, Yes, absolutely. Especially architecture and construction lately has been really hot. Um, we've had great historical participation with the manufacturers in the area um, and with the healthcare systems and nursing homes because we place nursing students, mm. pharmacy technicians. We have a lot of different programs. Um, but anytime we can get more business partners involved, we would love to do that. Sure. Um, and I guess at the end, I'll, if it's all right, I'll leave you, uh, your email address and people can reach out to you if they want. If they want. Awesome, awesome. So um, let's take a second, because um, this, this month is Career and Technical Education Month, and, and in our social media, at least, we're celebrating some of the certifications that our, our students are, are receiving. Um, and each of those, we say there are 17 different ways you could be certified. Can, can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, so we have um, different certifications. This is something that the state of Wisconsin has actually been pushing the last five or so years, and it's really taken off throughout the state. Um, what they're finding through discussions with business partners in all different career areas is that those businesses really value certifications. So they're um, encouraging us as high schools um, throughout the state to start adding those for students. Mm. So we jumped in on that and we've done quite well. Um, just this last year, um, our current students actually enrolled. We have 157 certifications already earned in our student oh, wow. body. And there will be a whole bunch more this spring. Um, some of those, if you've mentioned, or as you mentioned, were highlighted in the web page um, yeah. for the district and social media. Um, certainly, uh, Microsoft Office and Excel; those are big ones for us. Um, Word is another one. Yeah, Christy and I were saying that we just muddled through to figure out how to work, how Word works, and all the things you can do. And there are people with varying levels of skill, but never thought about at the high school level having a certification for something like that. Um, but that's I, that's what most of the students that I met, they were all looking at that and using those programs. Yeah, that's a very popular one for our students. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the others that... that... Um, in the culinary area, um, we have ServeSafe, which every Wisconsin restaurant has to have someone ServeSafe certified on staff at all times, so our students can go through that program in our culinary area. That's like having knowledge about food temperatures, uh, proper practices in the kitchen, right? Wearing gloves when you need to wear gloves and... Correct. Yeah, yeah it really comes down to food safety for that one. Um, this spring, we might have our first ever food um, serve save, excuse me, serve save um, certification um, for a student in the management side as well. So he's looking to get that certification, which would be great. Um, other ones we have in the tech ed area, we have OSHA. So all of our students have the opportunity to get OSHA certified, mm -hmm. which um, certainly lends itself well to going into the trades, um, but also manufacturing. Um, and some of those other areas as well. Yeah. And then um, Sawblade, which is one specifically learning on cutting tools. Mm -hmm. So we have our first certified student in that this fall, um, which is one of our female students, which we were really excited about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and what I've realized is that people lament the, that uh, we don't have a wood shop, but there are picnic tables that our kids <laughs> have built sitting in this building right now. It, it's still alive and well, isn't it? It is, and it's growing. That's a big area of student interest and of need in the region. Um, that's another thing the state is really encouraging us to do is to pay attention to regional 
trends of labor market data. So just this morning I was on a webinar about that actually with a local university that's pushing even more knowledge in that area to make sure that what we're offering our students lends itself to something to them after high school. Um, so we've really designed our programs to be in line with that. Hmm. Yeah, so I've, in my career, I've written about and I've, I've you know, explored how, you know, this, this idea of, of school-to-work things, but I've never seen a, a practical, like, pathway the way that we, the way that we have here, you know, um, and maybe it's, it's just been a while since I've looked into it, but the, um, how do you, like, I guess it's through webinars like that, and, and other ways, how do you communicate with industry as to what they need to prepare our students for that? We're fortunate in the Milwaukee area. Um, there's a lot of groups like Milwaukee 7 that play a big part in this and support schools, as well as local trade groups. Um, you're seeing that more and more. I've um, been doing this for over 20 years, and it's actually been really fascinating how it goes in line with the economy right now with the job market just as it is in the state with when we're basically at full employment with under 3% unemployment. Um, we get so many calls now from businesses really wanting to partner in any way that they can, mm -hmm. and we love that. Um, Unfortunately, we can't always meet their needs. We're at this point now where we have fewer kids than we have businesses. <laughs> um, but we're always looking for new opportunities and trying to make those matches between our students and the businesses. Nice. And what, um, I mean, we, we've kind of talked about what the opportunities are, but what, what, are the, what are the results that our alumni are seeing, that the folks that leave and then go into the workforce, what, um, what have they told you about what it's like afterwards? Um, I hear great things. Um, it's been really a lot of fun. That's one of my favorite parts of my job when you hear back from somebody who's found success. We actually, one of my very first youth apprentices here about 20 years ago um, was in a finance program here. He's a finance youth apprentice, did the bank teller position. And after he graduated, he stayed with that credit union um, and got on the IT side of things. He's now the CIO um, for one of the largest credit unions in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, no and his son goes here now, which is really fun, too. So it's um, when you see something like that of how it started somebody's career um, off on a great path, it's very rewarding. But I would also add I've seen students that go into nursing or other programs and they get out there and they start working and they find they don't like it and change their career. And I think that's a success, too. If they can figure that out when they're 17 or 18 years old <laughs> um, before they're off to school or to doing other things, um, that's a big win in my book. So. Yeah. So I, we were talking before. I have an 11-year-old, you know, who's coming up. I'm starting to think about college and career and after. And when I when I, I said before, but when I was in high school, it, the idea was go get a liberal arts degree and then they'll train you after. And that that's not the way higher education works anymore and it's not kind of what employers are looking for either so the idea that that you try something and stick with it for a little bit get out into the world work on it and then maybe switch later before you're full into a career is um, something that I'm excited about that for him to try because it wasn't that way for us exactly and I, th I think credentialing plays a big part in that too that's why we're doing that certainly here but you also hear that in the adult world a lot too after people graduate from high school or even college that you have to go back and get a new certification or credential to keep doing your job or to get a different job that you might like even more mm. so and, and there are kids trying more than one thing right i mean there's one student christina that i wrote about last year that won the states in the pro start cooking challenge uh you know she she made a flan that she told me all about in her presentation and how that got her to the nationals but then she went into nursing. She was going to go into nursing after. 
Yep, that happens a lot too. And that's the importance, I think, of trying these different things out in high school to see what really fits. Actually, a young man you mentioned earlier, um, Hunter, who graduated last year, who's an apprentice, a registered apprentice now um, in the trades. One of the things he explored in high school, the first time I met him, he was looking at culinary. He took classes in both areas because he had dual interests and skills in both areas, but then he found where he really fit. Um, wow. So it's I encourage students to do that as much as they can. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've spilled a lot of ink about Hunter, but but the exciting part about his story is that he was, he was a little discouraged after the pandemic and didn't know what to do, and then, man, lit on steam fitting, and like I said, he was just so excited to, to be in a career. Um, I know that feeling because I like my job, and I'm just excited to see it in, in someone, someone his age. So, wh- kind of, what's the, what's the earning potential of students, um, you know, that maybe walk across as a graduation stage and then do a career after? So, depending on the program, of course, that makes a big difference. Um, although, in all these career pathways that we've established, our regional career pathways, um, which is another state program where they're encouraging students to pick things that are meaningful, that there's a lot of jobs in Wisconsin and a lot of need, um, but also have family sustaining wages associated with them. So all of the pathways that we've done that in here, um, we've done the research um, either individually or with the state to make sure that they, um, that our students can be on a pathway to do well and hopefully stay in Wisconsin yeah. and be good members of the state. Sure, sure. So, so living wages is what we're talking about, you know, not we're not just feeding into a system where they won't be able to pay rent or something that these are well-paying jobs that we're, we're talking about. Correct. Yeah. And they also um, all have opportunities not only to work right away, um, but if students want to go on and continue their education, if they choose to do that, to take on different roles within that pathway that they can do that too. So there aren't, they're not dead end roles or yeah. careers. Yeah, that's right. I meant to mention that before. Hunter, again, he's my main example for this. He had a lot of schooling to go through even though he graduated, uh, his was going to be in a union hall, but it was, it was, uh, he had to learn what he was doing, uh, you know, become, move up that career ladder rather than, you know, have spent four years and then started that again. He was starting right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about those certified career pathways. Cause that's, yeah. a, that's something we were excited about. Uh, it started last year to tell me about it. Yes, that's another state of Wisconsin program where they identified, um, things that are key to Wisconsin and there are different pathways in different regions of the state. Um, right now, there are five identified in southeastern Wisconsin, and we have four of those as our regional career pathways. So um, for us, that includes advanced manufacturing, architecture and construction, finance, and patient care. Um, and to have a true pathway and to get certified, um, there's different criteria you need to meet as a school district. And um, those are offering a sequence of aligned courses, which we do through all those programs, um, then offering the industry-recognized credentials or certifications, yeah. which we talked about earlier. Um, beyond that, though, and this is something we haven't really touched base on, um, is offering dual credits, so having the ability in each pathway to get college credits in addition to high school credits. Yeah. Um, so not just individual students like the ones we talked about before where in automotive we happen to take that, but it's built into it. Um, where the classes that we offer here at the high school, they get college credit for. Sure. Um, and that's at no cost to the student or family. So um, that's huge. <laughs> um, and then to have work-based learning as a part of it. Mm-hmm. And then another thing we haven't discussed is to have career and technical student organizations. So we have clubs here um, tied to healthcare, to technology and engineering, to business, to marketing, um, having those different clubs 
uh, um, tied into the program so students learn through that as well. Yeah, I saw the uh, the Society of Women Engineers uh, last last semester, or sorry, in the spring, um, recruiting eighth grade uh, girls to come and learn about it. Um, so neat. So there's like a there's a culture and a and a club associated with the career that they might be going into. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then the fun thing, I don't know um, if you were able to attend on Friday night, but we had the steam night in the school district. Actually, I remember seeing you there now. <laughs> yeah, I was there, but I, there was so much to do. And I meant to plug this earlier that I never made it past the library. I didn't even get back to the Fab Lab. It was an awesome night. <laughs> My favorite part of that was seeing the younger kids just super enthused about the hands-on learning. But the other part that I love was seeing our older students working with elementary kids and saying, hey, look, you can do this too, and doing it hands-on with them. It was a lot of fun. And you talked about curriculum aligning, and, and um, so we've talked already about how the the, uh, the STEM course in the middle school aligns to what the high school wanted, but also folks should know that there's some basic coding that starts happening in elementary school just to introduce kids to that and and kind of figuring out how to solve problems that might lead to these STEM classes or, or STEAM, you know, type things, yeah. Yeah, our library program at the elementary level has done an outstanding job with that, um, getting coding opportunities in front of kids. Um, and that's something we're actually talking about. We need to increase what we do now at the middle and high school because of that. So there's great things happening at the middle school with that, with the recent hire in tech ed over there. Um, and now we're looking how we can add that as more opportunities at the high school for kids. So. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being part of this and, and kind of filling our parents in. Um, if you want to reach uh, Chris to talk about a youth-based uh, apprentice opportunity or uh, want to learn more, it's cdaniels, D-A-N-I-E-L-S, at sdsm.k12.wi.us. Chris, thanks for being here. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope it gave you a deeper understanding of the work that's happening in our schools. We value your feedback. Please share your thoughts about this podcast or any of our episodes, or if you have a question you think should be answered on an upcoming podcast, please email us at info at sdsm.k12.wi.us. A big thank you to our guests, Christy Gajewski and Chris Daniels, and to Ella, the freshman who gave us our intro. This has been the SMY Podcast. We'll see you next time.